This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Urkel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. Hey there, I'm Chris Nerlon. We have an exciting podcast ahead. But first, I want to talk about something we all know way too much about, moving. Just the thought of that can bring an unsettling emotion. Well, I found a team that can take that load off your plate. It's D1 Relocation. This group can do it all. They can organize your move, coordinate with a moving company, and a trusted real estate agent. They can actually vet key household partners, such as schools, insurance agents, physicians in the area. They can even help set up your Wi-Fi and water. It's incredible. So I've come to know this team, which is actually founded by a coach's wife. I think you should check it out. Whether you're looking to move now or in the future, it's d1relocation.com. Now on to our awesome podcast. It is my honor to bring Salma's Chadwell on the podcast. Salma's is the wife of Jamie Chadwell, head football coach at Liberty. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's so great to see you again. Yes. Okay. So you were on the podcast before. This is my first time to ever have a guest twice, but you've had so much happen in your life. I thought we've got to catch up and <laughs> kind of talk about a different aspect of this. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to do some different things, but you know, I always talk, start about stats. So coach is in his 14th year as the head coach at various levels of football this past December, named the head coach at Liberty. The buzz was all around from a national perspective as well. Everybody was tracking it. And the reason why is because Coastal Carolina had an 11-0 regular season record in 2020. He was named Walter Camp Coach of the Year, Home Depot College Football Coach of the Year. I believe it was Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year. (laughs) I think there was a few more as well. Maybe even Barry. Don't blow up his head too much. Like we could go on and on for a long time. So when you see all of that and you hear all the buzz and the winning keeps and it's usually on a roll, when did you sort of know that Liberty could be a possibility? Oh my gosh. Honestly, every time you, you know, every time you have a winning season, there's always going to be buzz. You know, this people, these uh, colleges, universities are looking at you and then these people are interested in you. This last year, we had several uh, universities interested in us as we had in the previous years, but with Liberty, it was, it literally just came in right at the end. Like you always have that talk, like I said, but you don't mentally prepare yourself because like I said, there's always talk every year. So you don't mentally prepare yourself for the actual, this one's it. And so Liberty literally came in right at the end, like towards the end of our season. Um, my husband was like, nope, I'm just trying to focus on our season. Let's finish it off. Let's see what's going on. But it was, it was literally quick within like a span of a few days. Fascinating. Okay. So take us to the interview process. Some of the wives watching may never experience some of this, um, we have some on different levels of athletics and just kind of want to hear all the fun stuff. So I know it's going to feel like you're bragging a little bit. We're going to give you the grace just to talk about the situation. Okay, so everyone right now, give her grace to be able to talk about an exciting time in her life. Let's cheer each other on. So what are the interviews like? Walk us, or are they in person? Walk us through this process a little bit. 
there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that I never really understood because everybody's trying to keep things hush hush. And now with social media, there's no way. I mean, it gets leaked so quick. Like you haven't even arrived at that interview when somebody's leaking it because they have the airplane trackers and things like that. That's all over social media, which I didn't know about that either until somebody pointed out to me. But we've had, he's gone to interviews where they've been at a donor's house, like offsite at a, in a different state. Um, they've been sometimes at the university. Other times they've been at a hotel where they go out there and do it. And um, it's, like I said, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of it that I just had no clue. Um, I think there's only been maybe once or twice when I've been able to go out on the interview because it is typically December. We've got a lot going on into school and everything. And it just happens like they'll call in the morning. Hey, we're going to fly you out. Can you, you know, adjust your schedule? Can you come out there? And so they'll send a plane. He'll go out on that interview and do it. Whereas I can't just drop everything. You know, I, I mean, I have kids, <laughs> but I've got to, somebody's got to pick them up and, you know, we don't have a nanny or anything, but um, so it's just really just quick how it all happens. I mean, it's not where, you send out a resume where it was like back when we would apply for jobs, yeah. you know, we were sending out resumes and, you know, hoping you'd get a call back, but it's just basically how your season goes. And if they like you, they'll call you right at that moment and fly you out. So it's really at the drop of a dime, you have to drop everything and head out there. And obviously he has an agent that helps with some of the preparatory yes. work with it, but then you help behind the scenes a little bit. What, what's your role in this process? I mean, do you help, maybe role play some questions or do you just say encouraging words or help pick out an outfit? What's your role? Yes, I do help pick out the outfit for him, like the suit and everything. And we have such an array of ties, like colors now, because we he's been through so many interviews and everything. Mm -hmm. So we have purple, orange, you know, blue, every color you could imagine red. And so I have to obviously pick out the suit for him to wear. And, you know, he's, Jamie is such a good public speaker. Like he could come up with things at the drop of a dime. If somebody said, um, we need you, somebody came and told me we need you to speak next week. I'm prepping for like days, like writing it out, practicing. He'll come to me that morning. He'll be like, oh man, I'm supposed to speak this morning at this banquet. And I'm like, oh, what are you speaking about? And he's like, I don't know. I'll come up with something. And <laughs> he's just so good, like just intellectually and with the public speaking and everything. And I don't ever have to tell him like, Hey, you're going to knock it out of the park because he always just knocks it out of the park, but it's always a prayer for him, do a prayer of encouragement and just for God, just to guide him to the right words. And if it's the right fit for us, you know, it'll all work out according to his plan. And one thing I was curious about as well is when do you involve the kids in the process? I mean, do they know about some of these things? I mean, that would have to be hard as well. Yes. So we try not to, involve them because we don't want them to get ahead of themselves with all the emotions that comes with moving. But our son, because he is older, he's in middle school and he didn't have a phone. We just got him a phone this year, um, a few months ago, but with him, he has friends that have all this social media access. So they're always asking him. And when he comes to us, we, we're truthful with him. We tell him, yeah, this school is interested in him, but it doesn't mean anything. So 
just if anybody asks you, just say you don't know or you're not sure or anything like that. But the girls, because they are younger, we don't involve them until we know for sure that it is happening. And then uh, it has to be extremely exciting to walk through the process, but to me, it also be a little bit stressful too. Moving is not <laughs> easy. Um, you know, if you think about it, there's going to be somebody watching right now who's about to walk through exactly what you walked through last year mm-hmm. and has um, people calling right now or maybe and kind of going through the same process. What advice would you give to a wife kind of going through this? You know, I don't think you ever can fully prepare yourself for the move because I feel like every move we've made, I've cried every time we've moved. Um you know, it's really just trying to, throughout the whole process, trying to stay level, try to keep your kids, your husband into that routine and into a structure because things are just going to be all over the place because there's going to be so much talk. There's going to be the interviews and everything. I would just say, try to maintain as much level of normalcy as you can during this time because it can be a lot. It can stress you out immensely. And so trying not to think about it and just trying to stay in your routine and things like that. I think that is at least what's helped me, helped me. It was beneficial for me. And there usually is multiple interviews when it's a job at this level. It's not typically just one interview, right? Correct. Correct. Right. So it's a, it's this process for a little bit. How do you go about making big decisions, especially if there's two options, right? Obviously the option to always stay and then, but sometimes there's a third one involved or a fourth one. How do you go about walking through that as a couple? Well, the first thing we always do is we pray about it. But like I said, sometimes you're just, it comes right at the end when you're just like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? But the first thing we always do is we always pray about the decision because it's a decision that not only affects him, it's affecting our children, myself, our previous team. And things like that. So what we, we try to see what's the best fit for us. You know, would he love to be in the SEC? Maybe, um, I don't know, wherever. Of course he would, but it might not necessarily be the best fit for us as far as a place to raise our kids, you know, because there was a job in Atlanta that was available, but was that really where we wanted to raise our kids? No, you know? So I think looking at what's best for your family and where you want to raise your kids, where you can see yourself for the next, you know, hopefully five, seven years, things like that. I think all that's important for you to look at and decipher. The next process is putting together a staff. What does that dynamic look like for you as a family? You know, our staff that uh, we have right now, gosh, they've been with us for, some of them have been with us for 14 years, like since he's been a head coach. We have some former players that have joined our staff and everything, Um, people that we brought brought back with us when we were at North Greenville, and they've just kind of transferred with us, came with us when we've gone to uh, Delta State and Coastal Carolina, and then now here. And that's one of the things about Jamie. He's such a loyal person. Like he wants to take care of his staff and the people that he cares about, because he, when you take care of people, they're going to, you know, 
take care of you and be loyal as well. And, you know, we've had to turn jobs down before because the ADs have said, no, you can't bring certain people with you. And that was not something that he wanted to do because then he's like, well, you know, this person's out of the job now. If I decide to go because selfishly, this is what I want, but now I'm leaving this crew behind, you know? So we've been fortunate enough to where we've been able just to kind of maintain the same staff for, like I said, for almost 14 years. Now we've had some additions and new people and things like that, but it's been I'm sure it's been a breeze and just knowing the wives and everything from previously, it's been great. Now you're at Liberty, one of the premier programs out there. What's it been like uh, from your perspective, just walking in the community and maybe some of the things that you are getting to do now that you haven't been able to do before? You know what? From the moment that we stepped foot on campus, everyone has been so welcoming. You know, sometimes you get people will come up to you and say, how are you? Is everything going okay? And it's kind of like, it's what they have to do. Here, people are genuinely concerned and want to help you as far as, hey, can I cook a meal for you while you're in the process of moving? Um, How can we help you adjust? Here's a list of maybe... Um, doctors that you'll need, like they're, re- they really go out of their way to help and support us as much as they can. And uh, one of the things that we've never experienced is the Liberty Convocation. It's been absolutely, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been absolutely amazing where Jamie and I have been able to attend a few of those. We've, people that we would have never met or listened to, like we uh, got to chat with Toby Mack and we kind of got to go behind stage and hear a little bit about his story. Um, Jonathan Isaac, who plays for the Orlando Magic, who became really big after the George Floyd, he was unbelievable. And I ended up purchasing his book and started reading that. That was amazing. David Pollack was here recently. He came and spoke to our team and just seeing these people and experiencing these convocations that we would have never otherwise experienced or getting to know these people who are big Liberty fans has been absolutely amazing. It's the students. I mean, you know, everybody always says there's something special about the mountain. And I was always like, okay, I need to get up on this mountain and see what's going on. (laughs) That's not going on anywhere else, but it, it really is. It's just a special place. And I don't think you realize that until you are here. Now, what did you learn this time about moving and transitioning that maybe you hadn't experienced before? You've moved a lot. You've moved your children a lot. Was this one different at all? Is there anything that you you did differently or learned about it that you had? Your children are getting older. It's always getting a little, it gets a little harder as they get older. <laughs> Tell me about it. This was probably the hardest move. Um, gosh, try not to cry. <laughs> um because you become so attached, you know, to your community. And I'm not saying that we weren't at other places, but our kids were so much younger at that time. So I was just going at those times, just going to the library doing, you know, little story times, whereas now they were in school and they had developed a group and I had developed a group and a community and um, just leaving that behind was really tough because our son was in middle yeah, like I said, he is in middle school. He was in eighth grade and he really struggled. He really struggled. And he's not an emotional person. 
And so at the press conference, when we came back in December, we, I looked over at him, Jamie was up um, on the stage and I looked over at him and my son was crying and it, it was just really tough. And it, it, it was hard to navigate because we were just, we knew that we were going back to Myrtle beach. My husband was staying here in Lynchburg and now I'm having to navigate, making sure the kids are okay, but then navigate my feelings as well, you know, and it was really hard. It was just really hard. And we kind of still struggle with it, um, you know, because they miss their friends and everything. And you're here, you're in a new place and it's, you're having to start over. And it was like, I was telling my husband, I said, you know, it's not as hard on you as it is for the wives and the kids, because you go and you're bringing all of your friends with you. Whereas us, we're having to start over, make new friends and, you know, establish a new community and everything. So that's, I think this was just one of the things that I'm learning throughout this whole process is just how to go about that with our son, with our girls, because they, they cried the last day of school, they were bawling. <laughs> because all their friends came out and they were crying and everything, but thank goodness you have all of this access with social media. You can FaceTime them and, you know, we, uh, we're going to take a trip back in November. And so they'll get to see their friends there and everything, but it, it was a hard one. It was a hard one for us. Yeah, it is. And no one ever thinks about that. The fans don't think, although we are hugely grateful for opportunities to do what we do on this stage, that does not negate that grateful heart. It is right. a transition with your children. And I know I've talked to you before. This is exactly your heart, like the most grateful for being at Liberty and what you've been. Right. Absolutely. But like helping your children who this is their childhood. You know, yes. this is their child of walking through all of this. Um, I think I was talking to um, Sydney Fedora, uh, Coach Larry Fedora's yeah. daughter on a podcast and uh, I asked her one of the things uh, that kind of helped because they moved around a lot. I think Southern Miss and North Carolina during some of these transition periods. And she said, my mom, I said, I mean, help us through this. And she said, my mom did something. She was very intentional about helping us stay connected with relationships yes. across the country forever. And mm -hmm. that's kept, I kept that in mind. And that's exactly what you're doing with your son. Yeah. Some people be like, why are they going back over there to visit? Well, it's this their childhood, right? It's exactly. their relationships, and it's great to get those things to flourish throughout. Absolutely, life. absolutely. You, know, you don't just cut off. Yes, yes, yes. And so that's like what I was saying. You know, having this FaceTime access, or you know, just having these pads and whatever that they can talk back and forth to each other. And so it's been on a weekly basis. And so um, in a couple of weeks a group of my son's friends are coming here from Myrtle Beach. And so he's so excited just to see them and hang out with them. So I'm going to have a house full of 13 year old boys here. Yeah. Okay. It'll be exciting. You're really cooking a lot of food. Has the, yes, yes. Has, has the appetite increased tremendously? Yes. It's never enough. <laughs> Um, I have asked you this question on the podcast before, but I'd like to hear your perspective now, a couple of years later. Um, what do you think is the toughest adversity that you have faced and 
What did you rely on? Obviously, walking through these things with our kids is a big deal. Anything else stand out to you? Um, you know, I've mentioned on the previous podcast what the uh, toughest thing that we had faced at that moment was. But I think the toughest thing since then was probably this move for us because, like I said, my son struggled quite a bit. Um, you know, when you're in middle school, when you're 13 years old, you're already in an awkward state. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look back at my pictures and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I made it up to this point. But, you know, you're trying to navigate, like figure out who you are in general as a 13 year old. And you're going through all these fluctuations of your hormones and friends and, you know, sports and girls and all this stuff. And, you know, with him having to leave that, he, he was really he was really angry. You know, he was really upset with us for um, leaving because he, he had made such a connection with the community of Myrtle beach, as well as with our coastal football team. I mean, and he keeps in touch, like he'll um, on TikTok or whatever, he'll comment or send messages to them or whatever on there. Um, but he just really had a hard time. And it was my husband not being here as he was in uh, Virginia and then we were in Myrtle Beach and me trying to help him understand the situation that it wasn't because we're trying to make his life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because this is what God has called us to. And I, and I told him, the word of advice that I gave him was, think of it this way. Yes, moving is hard. It's very hard, but if we had never moved, you would have never made or met the people you had in Charleston. You would have never met the people you had in Myrtle Beach. And now we're moving to Lynchburg and you're going to meet a whole group of new people that are going to be such important factors and influences in your life and everything that you're going to always keep in touch with as well. So try to think of it that way. Don't look at it as the half or the glass half empty, look at it as half full because there are positives that come out of this. Yeah, for sure. Great advice. Now you obviously moved at the end of the school year. Have you ever moved in that January, February time frame? And do you have a preference one or the other? We have not. Um, I know some people like it better if they just move immediately, just because it helps them kind of go ahead and get settled and restart and everything. For us, I felt like we needed to finish off the school year. So that way we could kind of put a closure on it and the kids could finish out the school year with their friends and they were on our daughters do um, dance. And so our middle one, she did, she didn't do travel competition dance, but she did travel soccer. So she didn't want to leave her team high and dry. My youngest does competition dance. So she was traveling a lot. And so if you pull one person out of a dance, oh you know, it's going to mess up everything. <laughs> so we felt like we needed to just stay there and just put closure on the end of the year, of the school yeah. year and with their friends and everything. Yeah. It's important. Definitely. Some of the things that have changed in this process, I think even since having you on last is NIL. I don't, I don't think we had NIL when you're on the practice. No. Uh, and transfer portal and all of those things. So how do you see it? How do you think it's changed what we do and how have you adapted to that? Because typically 
I mean, obviously you guys are faith-based and you're doing this to impact young men. And then sometimes they're leaving quickly in and out. You don't, you're not guaranteed a four years with somebody. So how have you seen some of these changes impact how you carry things out? I'm not a fan of the transfer portal. I think it should be like a one and done kind of thing. You transfer once. Okay. That's it. But the NCAA is not going to listen to me. (laughs) Um, I think it just makes it so hard and so difficult because here I am, I'm trying to learn everybody's name. And by the time I finally get everyone's name, because there's like 120 (laughs) people on the team. Okay. Now we've got about 30 leaving and 40 coming in and, it makes it, it makes it hard because it's, and it's something like Dabo was saying, he doesn't believe in the NIL and things like that, but because it's, it's basically becoming a business. Okay. Who can give me the most money for me to play there instead of coming to a place where is the best fit for you? You know, where do you want to go to finish out, to start and end your college career? It's basically, okay, that one's going to give me a truck and this one's going to give me $20,000. And and that might not necessarily be the best fit for that person. That's why I think they end up transferring again, that they just deal with so many things and they realize that it's, hopefully they realize that it's more than just, you know, the money or what I can get and everything. But like, can you imagine being 18, 19 years old and the money these kids are making? (laughs) I can't. I'm just like blown away. Yeah, I would definitely have blown it by then. Yeah. I would just ever, I'd run all the way through it when I was 18 years old. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's important to, like with your team, we had at least, it was a 50% turnover rate when we came here to um, Liberty. And you're bringing all these guys in, but it's important to establish a foundation, you know, you want to take care of them with the NIL because that's what they're all looking for now, but you also make them want to love and play for each other and show them that this is the place that they want to be instead of looking for the next best thing. You know, cause the grass is not always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's so. true. What are some of the things that you do with the players? Like when we see this from afar and you've watched your career over the last several years, you can definitely see there's a culture that's built. What do you think plays into that? Uh, I mean, how are you reaching out as a family? How do you build that? What does it look like from your perspective? One of the good things about being here is we literally live 30 seconds from campus. So it's great to be present as much as you can. So let the players see you. You see the players, get to know them, go watch them at practice or, you know, we'll see them in the hallway or I'll see them in the elevator and I'll ask, hey, how's your family doing? You know, and they know the kids. We have this big uh, players lounge. And so Jameson goes down there and hangs out with the players a lot. And they know him. They'll play video games together. They'll play ping pong. Like seeing like one of our quarterbacks, Zach, he um, he plays ping pong with our youngest, with our eight-year-old daughter. And it's just the sweetest thing. And it's just seeing this family and a community, this group of guys coming together and getting to know our families, us getting to know them outside of football, because they are more than just football players. You know, they're people too. And getting to know them and just being present and getting to know things about their daily life, you know, what they're doing. And, you know, it, it's great. And I think that just goes a long way because, you know, in years to come, they send 
wedding invitations or, you know, hey, love for you to come, you know, because I'm getting married or baby showers, things like that. And, you know, they don't have to do that. But knowing that maybe we made a difference and they see us as an important influence in their lives back then. So just being able to be at those things, too, is special. Just be in there. I love that. Okay, so one of the things you talked about your son, they're all playing sports. You join a team, especially when you join a new town, you can't not know your last name in that town. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's joining in a team and then automatically comes expectations, right? I mean, so how have you started to navigate this with your children in sports when their dad is high profile? And it, it can be hard a little bit. So what are those, how do you walk them through that? There's no way to hide your last name. No, there's not. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw that uh, Twitter post that somebody had taken of my husband and our son. They had went to cookout to get some milkshakes uh-uh. and somebody had taken a picture and they're like, oh, they're just like us. <laughs> <at cookout. laughs> and it looked like a picture like the paparazzi had taken. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> it was like 930 at night, but you know, it's, and my son's like, yeah, I'm a celebrity now. I'm like, calm down, humble yourself. You're not anything. You know, it's just really, you've got to have humility. Yeah. You know, you got to stay humble in this profession. And, and like I tell my kids too, like the girls don't, don't really understand it. They just see their dad as a coach and everybody in this town knows them, but it's just keeping a humble attitude because in a blink of an eye, you know, all that could go like, it could change up like quickly, you know, I mean, you've been there, you've seen it. You know, and I know other wives have as well. I mean, one day they're loving you next day. It's yeah. And I think that's where you have to, you have to be realistic. And that's where, what I tell my kids too, just being realistic about how up and down this whole profession is. So our head coach's wife here calls it, a, you're either a hero or a zero, you know? <laughs> exactly. 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 No, there's no way around it, but you, yeah. you keep your steady. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's, our self-worth is not based off of this profession, you know? So I always try to instill that into them yes. to remember that. Huge message because it's so easy to, to get water that. that. Especially mm-hmm. when it's going well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. If there was one thing you were able to tell people what we go through as coaching families, what would you say? It's not all sunshine and roses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know on the outside looking in, it can seem like, oh, wow, these wives have such an amazing life. And, you know, they get to go from one place to another and they get to travel and whatnot, but it's hard. It's hard. And hats off to all the wives out there because it takes a lot. It takes a lot. You are having to manage so much alone. You know, you're taking care of the household and you've got the kids and activities and trying to maintain some sort of sanity throughout it all. And then if you add in the whole moving process, And you're left there doing it alone because your husband's gone, you know? So it's not 
all glamorous, like people think it is that we have the easy life <laughs> because it's not, it's yeah. not. With that being said, I'm not saying it as I don't love this life because I do, you know, I do appreciate every opportunity that's been given to us and the places that this profession has taken us and the people that we've come across. I mean, all that has been amazing, but it's also taken a lot of hard work to get to each point, you know, definitely. And hard work emotionally too. keeping your family grounded, keeping all of those things. It's not necessarily just, there's a lot of aspects of the hard work piece. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you could relive one moment as a coach's wife, what would that be? I would have to say our 2020 season. That was the most memorable year, uh, just the most memorable time of our life. And, you know, that was when COVID came out and everybody was afraid and hiding and, you know, there was just a lot of uncertainty. And I think that with our year there, especially for the community of Myrtle Beach, we added so much hope and something for them to look forward to because they were trying to cut a lot of sports and you can't play and you can't have people in the stadiums and, you know, see people's seasons were getting cut short because of it. And for us to be able to maintain that whole season, keeping it going. And then we had college game day out there and then to go undefeated. Now this is the ironic part because we ended up losing in the cure bowl by three to Liberty. The Liberty. That's the weirdest thing. Right. And that was rigged. It was rigged. <laughs> it was rigged. <laughs> we should have won. But it was, we've had, and I've had people reach out to me on social media, on Twitter and things and saying, obviously being upset that we were leaving Coastal, but that we gave them so much hope and gave them something to look forward to throughout that season that it really just helped them get through that year. So, and it was just an unbelievable experience overall. We had such a great team and when the world was falling, yes, <laughs> falling yes. apart, you know, we were able to try to keep that community and maintain. So it was just a memorable year. A very special, special time. Yeah. And as we record this, you're eight and zero. Yes. Knock on some wood. Knock on some wood, right? Eight and zero. Oh, yeah. It's. Oh my gosh. It's, it's been amazing because every week my husband's like, Oh, this is going to be the toughest game. This is going to be a tough game. Their quarterback's really good. Their defense is good. And we haven't been practicing well. And I'm just like, I just try to tone it all out. Like, because he just, he does that every week, but to be able to go eight, no at a new school, you know, a new team. I'm just so proud of our guys because when you come in as a new coach, everybody wants to do things the way the previous coach did it. So you have, you have to get those players, the ones that were there previously, you have to get them to buy in to what your mission is, what your goal is, you know? So that's always a struggle. And we struggled with it everywhere. When we were at Coastal, the kids, some of the kids struggled with it here at Liberty. Some of the kids were like, well, we did it this way back then. Why are you changing it? It worked. And he's like, well, that's somebody else. I'm a new person. I'm a different individual. So this is how we're going to do it. And we're trying to set these players up for success in the long term, in the long term. You know, we don't want you just to win games for us. It's changing your whole mindset and making sure you're going to class and doing all these things to set you up for long-term success. 
instead of just focusing on a winning season. Wins are great, yes, but more to it. What are you most proud of over the past couple of years and now that you've walked uh, into this incredible role at Liberty? Um, just for, just in general? Yeah. Or, um, I think, I think what I'm most proud of is how we have maintained that humility. Like we don't let things get to our head or we don't try to live a certain way because we're at a certain school or whatever. Um, I think just keeping to who we've always been from when we got married, we haven't changed. We're still the same people and an increase in paycheck does not change who we are. It's nice, of course, but it doesn't change who and it hasn't and it won't change who we are as individuals. You know, we don't, we don't go try to live some extravagant lifestyle. We still try to stay humble and focused on the important things in life, you know, and try to keep our kids that same way. Yeah. Instill that in your children. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. All right. I never do this at a football game. Oh, sit with fans. (laughs) (laughs) Dress up or dress down for the game. Oh, absolutely. Dress up. I'm in uh, tights and everything, all like leggings all day. So to be able to dress up is fun. And when I saw you looked adorable, you had a cute oh, dress thanks. on, but then a cute little Liberty hat. Thanks. Okay. Favorite college football atmosphere outside of Lynchburg? I would have to say when we were at Delta State, we took a trip to Ole Miss and it was like spectacular. Like the things that they were doing outside of the stadium and all the males and females were dressed to a T and it was just really Southern and just really fun and outgoing. Really love that atmosphere. My claim to fame. I was on a billboard in Charleston. Yes. Okay. What was your, what was it about? So um, it was one of my wedding pictures they were advertising. So going right into downtown, one of my students had said, Miss Chadwell, did you know your picture's on a billboard downtown? I said, what? I was like, uh, no, I didn't. So I made my husband drive down there. Like, we have to go see this. So we took a big picture of it. And there I was, my face on a billboard. Okay, but, but how and why? Like, why was your wedding picture on there? The advertising. The photographer, they were like, I had this big wedding ex- exhibition going on during that time. And that was one of the pictures they had chosen to put up there. So your photographer chose that? No, the people that were holding the expedition. So all the photographers had sent in some pictures and the exhibition had chosen my picture. <laughs> it was a model. You are. So that just, yeah. Okay. What's your go-to meal to cook? My go-to meal? Um, my kids, and it's really easy to, are pizza muffins. Pizza muffins? So I've never heard of this. Yes. So basically all you get... Do I need to make this my cooking? Maybe this is going to be your coach's life cooks. Yeah, I'll do that because I was like trying to think of what to do. But yeah, so easy. You just put them in a muffin tin and you put them in the oven and it's like put eat them on the go because it's great for us wives who are always on the go. Always. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Okay. Pizza muffins. There they go. I'll mean, we'll have to do that. <laughs> what would be your walk-up song? Um... 
I would say probably Survivor from Destiny's Child. <laughs> and I know in that song they're talking about a breakup, but I'm I'm on the with the chorus because if I can survive all these moves and you know handling everything alone, I'm a survivor. So <laughs> that is mine. Is that it? is hysterical. My family's going to crack up laughing. Are you serious? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I ask this question every week and I'm like, no one's going to ever say mine. Oh. <laughs> that is awesome. You're That's my awesome. people. That's, That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open and honest. I mean, it's been very encouraging to all of us. Thank you so much for having me. It was great seeing you again. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. For a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit CoachesWifeLife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.